You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to our exclusive coverage of Third Watch, our recap series of the greatest television show in the history of television shows. We're here today to talk about the fifth episode of the second season. It's called Kim's Hope Chest. If you've ever wanted to get into Kim's chest and hope it's there, then this is the episode for you. I really don't know why I come up with some of these things sometimes. Uh, this first aired on the 30th of October in the year 2000. It was written by Kiera B. Keane and Janine Sherman Barrels and was directed by Felix, uh, Felix Enriquez Arcala. My name is Ben and I'm going to eat you up. Ra ra ra. <laughs> My name's Darvell, and no wonder you can't explain this divorce to Joey. You don't even understand it yourself. <laughs> Not Has- exactly a funny quote, but okay. Hashtag Bobby goes nowhere. Hashtag Bobby has a point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Two hashtags, and we haven't started yet. And we haven't even mentioned Dirty Kid. Oh, wait, there he is. Um, so- <laughs> <laughs> now you have. Where was the previously on third watch? Bobby with shirtless b- dirty kid. Oh, wait. No, that's right, because that went nowhere. So that's why we didn't see it. Uh- <laughs> Just like Bobby. <laughs> Isn't it fascinating that... He uh- is going nowhere. <laughs> which, which is so fascinating, the fact that here we are basically in an episode where you expect there to be a decent chunk of Bobby in. Which, okay, we get more Bobby in this episode than we have recently. But even then, we barely get any Bobby in. We get more Jimmy in this episode than we get Bobby. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, considering Jimmy is the one that Kimmy can't make up her mind about. <laughs> it's, um... Yeah, I think we talked a little bit about this at the end of the last episode. I mean, this episode's always intriguing, and I, I like this episode because Kim really is one of the, <clears throat> excuse me, like the more interesting characters on this show that her sort of, I mean, you never, I find, get Third Watch fans who are just, oh, I absolutely love Kim. Like, you know, they love Bosco, they love Yokus, they love Sully, they love Davis, they love Doc, they love, you know, Carlos. Like, it's, it's rare. I don't think I've ever met a Third Watch fan who flat out, out of the gate, except for me maybe, is... God, I love Kim. You know, she, she really, even, even Brandy sort of throughout the first season is kind of always been up and down on the raver train. So I'm intrigued here, Darvell, to kind of get your thoughts throughout this episode on Kim because she's a, she's a complicated character. Needy more like. <laughs> well, there goes the, uh, raver train out of the station. We already know what's going possibly with, uh, Darvell this episode. <laughs> <laughs> It's, um... Yeah, for most of it, anyway. Yeah, I mean, look, it's... I can see why she maybe isn't the most fan-loved character with a lot of the stuff she does, but I'm going to say this now. I, I really do connect with her a lot more this time around. Like, I mean, you know, I've watched this episode countless, countless times, and you always find a way of connecting with characters over certain things, and there's always definitely been mm-hmm. elements in this episode where I've connected with. But I think more so in my personal life, currently at the time of recording this, uh, I just connect with her so damn much. So I'm, I'm looked at this episode so differently this time around, not just because I'm writing notes on it and having to podcast and try and be funny, but it's also a case of that, yeah, just with stuff that's going on with myself or has recently, uh, I found myself really connecting with this. It's, it's clearly because I just go around picking up paper boys and having sex with them at midnight. So that's basically where I connect with. Uh, so, <laughs> this show's turned me gay yeah. enough already, so, you know, come on. <laughs> yeah, might as well take it all the way. Right? Yeah, 
you know, <laughs> I got born on the weekend, yeah. Mike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I'm not saying I don't... Um, I'm not saying there aren't elements of... Not necessarily with me, but there are some people in my personal life who right now kind of remind me of where Kim is in this episode. Not in every aspect, but in some. Um, not really. Not. I'm not really going to go into details there, but... Still, yeah. I I still I still see Kim as even though I can sort of understand where she's coming from, you know, wanting to hang on to something even though that she knows it's probably not the best thing for her or for Joey. Um, it's still I can understand it, but she, yeah, you know, I still think she's just needy, as I said. It's yeah. I I mean, it's it's one of these ones where um. I think this is a, a divisive episode in that, like, it kind of does maybe come down, like, as you kind of said, like, you can see it from a perspective of people you know. I can probably see it more from a perspective of myself. So I think it's kind of... This is one of those real episodes where you're going to be one-sided or the other, if you know what I mean. Um, it's mm-hmm. kind of, you know, we're, we're not talking about four days here where y- you really are smack-bang in the centre. Uh, this is really... You either agree with Kim and you feel for her why she's going through it, or you're dude, just get over it and, you know, move on. So, like, that's kind of where you are in this episode. Which, again, props to Third Watch because this is why I make this season so good. Uh, not just this show, but this season in general and how much I'm going to keep talking about how good this season is. Even in, and I'll, I'll say this off the bandwagon, that if you look at the grand scheme of season two, this probably is one of the lesser episodes. But to me, this episode is still so fucking fantastic that this, as a lesser episode of a season, probably ranks a lot higher on an overall episodes ranking, and we might do that at the end of this we might rank all 132 episodes um that this oh is, that'd be awesome i think we're gonna have to but i think that like this still ranks higher than maybe a, you know pretty much all of season six probably a lot of season five uh you know a large chunk of four and three so like this to me still is probably a, a top you know 40 uh, top 60 70 episode um even though it's a weaker episode of this season so that's i'm just putting it out there now yeah. Um, I still think this is a, a strong, and again, because it's such character driven. That's what it is, and this is yes. And yes. the thing with this too, which you got, we'll get to in a second. The fact that it's so character driven, and we probably get for the first time, um, all season maybe a real, like a real storyline around one of their jobs. I mean, that's not to say to take away from the other storylines. Obviously, we've had this season throughout the episodes, but I mean, kind of a real moment this episode where it's like. You know, it's a big talking point. There's a big, actually, a connection to real world, which I'll get to with that storyline. But anyway, um, we kind of... The interesting thing about this one I found with the previously on, and I don't know if you kind of uh, switched that on your DVD or not, you saw that, but, like, this previously no, on... No, I still haven't figured that out. Well, this previously on kind of really, like, had a lot of flashbacks here for Kim. So we went all the way back to the very first episode. We went back to the infamous, uh, you know, cheesy quote that I talked a lot about in our very first episode with Brandy, the Jimmy, why did we ever break up? You slept with my sister line from the very first episode, which is just so forced. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, we we kind of had a few sort of moments from that. But um, I like that. I like kind of how much they went back in time to kind of show us where Kim is and what sort of her role is in this show. Um, 
the one thing I'll say about this episode, maybe I don't know if I say this, should say this at the end, but I kind of wish they had, a, and this is maybe just more of the hashtag Bobby Goes Nowhere, but I really do wish they had explored more of Bobby and Kim's relationship in this episode, given this is a Kim-centric episode, and really our next Kim-centric episode... Bobby may or may not be there anymore. So, I mean, we really had no opportunity this season to explore. They really have forgotten about Bobby and Kim, haven't they? It's just kind of, they're just... Oh, yes. None of that what we had a season ago. Yeah, none of that, none of what they had in the Valentine's Day episode last (laughs) season. Yeah. It's kind of like, they have sex, that's it, we're done with Bobby and Kim, let's move on. Which I kind of... I, I, that always irked me. I mean, I, I kind of, you know, I, we went over this a lot last year. I like the triangle. Uh, and, you know, I do like Kim and Jimmy, but, and I'm kind of, I guess, glad that Kim and Bobby don't ultimately end up together, spoiler alert. But I don't know. I still think there's more that they could have done with it. I don't know. I don't know if that's me or not, or if you have yeah. any opinion on that. Honestly, uh, let's just say before the middle of season two. I was kind of pulling for Kim and Bobby to get together, at least for a little bit. Mm. Yeah. I always was. I mean, because I, I think kind of I was always a Bobby in that situation. You know, you're always sort of a really into somebody that perhaps you shouldn't be because they're like a close friend or something like that. So, you know, talking mm-hmm. about connecting with characters, I used to always feel that with for Bobby. But uh, anyway, we've forgotten about that because remember, we've forgotten about Bobby people. Um, but we get this nice... Well, we of, haven't, just the writers did. <laughs> the writers forgot out. <laughs> Bobby Cannavale's already, you know, signing on to big things at this point. He's just waiting for his episodes to film. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. um, can I just say, I don't know if there are any Dirty Kid moments in this episode. This is maybe why this episode holds up quite well, even though it's a lesser episode. Uh, it's quite well structured, um, this yeah. episode. So I, I... I sure couldn't... Sorry. No, no, you please go continue. Yep. I I sure I couldn't think of any dirty kid moments. So yeah, well we might discover yeah. some along the way. But we get this nice little opening, so we obviously get a, a Kim narration here. We kind of get um uh sort of a flashback in terms of uh, I'm guessing this is the wedding of her her mum and her stepdad and just sort of some nice little footage there. One of the many. One of the many. Yes, auditioning husbands across the side of the door as we find out. Um, then we obviously get uh sort of. Kim just uh, chilling in the living room. She's going through a lot of her stuff because uh, they're going to be having a charity drive at the firehouse. We get little shit Joey this episode. Can we just say, Joey got something wrong with this kid. Uh, (laughs) Brady and I went over a little... Is that your dirty kid moment? No. No, well, I mean, you might argue in the grand scheme of things it's a dirty kid moment because it doesn't really go anywhere because Joey, like a lot of children do, just kind of get phased out. The difference is... With Joey, they don't pull an Emily and a Charlie where, like, particularly with Emily, where they just completely recast the role and age her a few years, and, and Charlie, they sort of just, oh, shit, we've still got Charlie, let's bring him back towards the end of season six with a different actor. Um, but from memory, when you see Joey in the finale, I mean, the kid grown up Joey looks very... I don't think it is the same actor that we see here, because we've obviously gone over kind of who this actor is. But they do they do at least go to efforts to make him look like a young whoever this is. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's Brandy and I went over a little bit about maybe this kid's got some issues in the first season. We're going to find out this episode. He's, he's definitely got some issues. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, definitely. But I do like him here when he's just, like, running around the house and he's like, hey, mummy, look at this. It just kicks over like a thing of CDs or whatever it is. Um, and then he's like, I don't know, wearing a Bruce Springsteen t-shirt as a cape. 
And then I love when Kim's kind of like, you know, if this is mummy, you shouldn't do this. How'd you like it if I, like, ripped off Mr. Wompy's nose? And just the look on his face, he looks like, you know, somebody just killed somebody. He's so shocked. Like, I, I will say, like, we've kind of gone over. Like, for I think he's, what, about five or however old he is. Christopher Scott Fidel. He's actually a decent actor. I and mean, he's not one of these little kids that really give me the shits. He's not a dirty kid. So, like, he, for, for what he does, I think he's actually a fairly okay actor. And as again, we've gone over him a fair bit on this show. He really didn't do anything after Third Watch. He was in some other movie or TV show called Fortunes uh, in 2005. Uh, and then, according to IMDb, he's been in nothing since. So, um, yeah, he's kind of... This didn't make a career for him. He's still going to be in a few more episodes moving forward here. So, uh, we haven't quite seen the end of Joey Doherty. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you had anything to say on this opening scene. I just kind of like little little shit Joey kicking over a stack of CDs before Kim sort of like, how would you like it if I break Mr. Wompy's nose? And he just looks like he's about to burst out crying. Well, the only thing I have to say is, <laughs> I mean, who or what is Mr. Wompy? Because <laughs> before, before, this, before this episode, I didn't even know who or what the hell that was supposed to be. Is that some action? Is that some action hero or something? I I I really couldn't tell you the uh, action heroes of the year two thousand. Um, this might be our dirty I kid moment. I couldn't tell you either. Uh, I've just googled Mr. Wompy. Um, there's Mr. Wompy ice cream van DJ booth and sound system on Vimeo. Um, that's about. <laughs> well, I doubt Joey had a. <laughs> I doubt Joey had a DJ booth at that age. Yeah, or so... Or a sound system. Okay, maybe we do have a dirty kid moment. What the hell is Mr. Wompy? Um, yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, Kim Raver, if you're listening. <laughs> or... Christopher Scott Fidel, if you're listening. What's what's Mr... Why were you so sad about Mr. Wompy? <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. Anyway, uh, the big questions here on the Oz Network. Uh, but I mean, at least this sort of scene, uh, Brooke and uh, Jimmy pick Joey up and sort of Jim, uh, Kim shows the Bruce Springsteen. I like this Bruce Springsteen connection. We had this in the very first season, you know, when she when Jimmy had the tickets to see him. So I kind of like how they, yeah. you know, again, go off a third watch a little bit for its poor continuity. But there are a few moments uh, where they kind of remember. Even in the next episode, there's a nice little moment where it's kind of like they just randomly remember a moment. So... Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I do like, um, sort of this moment here, you know, typical Kim and Jimmy fighting over something, you know, oh, I thought you were going to pick him up. No, I've got the physical therapy, but you said, oh, and then Brooke kind of just comes in and she's like, look, I'll I'll look after him. Have to say again, I like Brooke. You know, I don't know if I went over that enough a couple episodes ago, well, last episode, um, and how much we talked about her last season, but gotta say, like, Eva LaRue, I'm kind of liking her, even though she's kind of the one that's preventing them getting back together, but at the same time, Jimmy does enough work to sort of prevent him and her getting fully married anyway in a few episodes' time, so, yeah. <laughs> um, you know. Yep. spoiler alert. Yeah, I like Eva LaRue, I like Brooke, um, so... Yeah, we get this fun little scene here, though, when they they come up into the firehouse and they're obviously donating stuff. And um, this is an annual thing that Doc does, bring in your secondhand goods and they donate it to charity. Uh, Kim's wearing a new jacket that she found and they're saying, oh, and Doc's like, come on, put it in the box. It's like, no way, man, I love this jacket. Um, and then what does, like, Bobby say? Oh, oh, I've already gotten everything ready. And then Carlos, oh, that's no surprise, Mother Teresa. 
Um, and then kind of just this whole little conversation <laughs> about like, Carlos, you're up for dinner this Thursday. No way, I was up last week. And it's like, oh, make sure we get the uh, Pepto-Bismol. You know, we got sick every time. It's like, oh, it wasn't my fault. You know, the chicken was off. <laughs> just like, I love it. Like, you gotta, it's weird that we keep saying Gosh. hashtag Bobby goes nowhere. And you probably have to argue really. Carlos is doing nothing this season at this point either, except being side comedy relief. But, like, the thing is that, like, we know where this goes. This is the differences where we can say, you know, it's not hashtag Carlos goes nowhere because Carlos gets an amazing episode this season as payoff. Bobby gets more mm-hmm. Bobby-centric episodes this season than Carlos does. There's a reason behind that, though. And when we get to the Bobby-centric episodes, it's kind of the final episodes we'll get of Bobby. With Carlos, it's kind of, we don't get much of him at all. We sort of get a quarter episode of him when they're underground and stuck underground with Bosco <laughs> and Yokus and Doc. But when we get to his episode, it just it's such a payoff. So that's why, like, Carlos really is doing nothing this season, is he? Except just being the laughing stock at the moment. And the terrible cook. <laughs> oh god it's funny and oh, the, the the really funny scene here which I love which it's kind of it's a subtle blink and you miss it scene and it makes it funnier if you've seen the bloopers it's when he puts on like obviously this I don't know whose jacket it's meant to be this sort of hideously looking jacket and Carlos puts it on and he's kind of like yeah I like this Kim sort of walks past has this laugh and then Doc's like it's uh it's it's sexy um, but like, if you've seen, <laughs> is he wearing Kim's jacket? It's like this, like <laughs> ugly brown and black and white thing. It's just hilarious. And then if you've seen the bloopers, there's just this scene where no. Carlos puts on the jacket and he starts dancing. And then Bobby, I think, joins in and dance. <laughs> like, about, a bunch of them just start dancing together, like doing the Saturday Night Fever sort of dance. It's just so funny. Yeah. Like when you watch the bloopers of some of these, it kind of ruins the scene. But um, God, I love it. Just it's just a subtle little humor moment there as Carlos looks horrible yeah. in this jacket. Um, but yeah, again, nice little character scene between everybody here. Well, this is kind of what we like about this show. They just interact off each other so well. Um, oh, yes. And we've got this We've got this call. Obviously, there's this couple which whenever they get called out, they must get like free peach cobbler or whatever it is. So like Carlos is all like to Bobby, oh, you know, I'll take this call. And I just love the way Bobby's like, okay, no. Uh, <laughs> just the way he just shuts him down. Yeah. Um, and they clear and you go. Sorry, you go. And 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 they they clearly know this. They clearly know this couple because yeah, uh, yeah. They've had a pretty good history of call of calling them. Yeah, they've had a pretty good history. Doesn't the guy have heart problems or something? I don't know if it's ever... S- I don't think they ever really said. No, I don't think it's... I, I mean, they obviously mentioned his heart stopped, so he's obviously in some form of um, terminal illness, which they know eventually he's going, uh, and then they clearly have to keep calling out. But, I mean, it's they're obviously so nice, and the wife, you know, at the point, is always, um, you know, providing food for them because, obviously, they're always getting called. So, um, yeah, I don't mm-hmm. think it's ever specifically said what they have. But, yeah, we get this nice little scene here. And I, I kind of... The thing I like about this, it's kind of one of these episodes where I don't necessarily like when sort of characters are getting all sentimental and staring at things and smiling. But there's just something about this episode which I like how they handle it. So, we get this couple, and I, I haven't written their names down. Um, but, you know, obviously, I think it's... Is it uh, Loretta and uh, somebody else? Or... <sighs> I think the woman's name was Loretta. Yeah, but I can't remember. I can't remember the guy's name. I've written Loretta. Uh, I haven't written down the other the man's name here. 
Um, but anyway, so like they've come to check up on this couple. He's all in high spirits. Everything looks fine, but they're obviously so madly in love. And this is where kind of, you know, you get Kim as she sort of walks off, um, you know, just that nice little smile staring at them. It's just a nice little moment. We get a few of that this, um, episode. Then we, we get them in the ambulance and there's a call. Oh no, there's a fire at St. Mary's. That's Joey's school. Uh, I love how Bobby doesn't know this. Like, I mean, how often does she talk about this? We know in season one that he is at St. Mary's. And the way that kind of we get their call over and Kim's like, oh my God. And Bobby's like, what? And he's like, that's Joey's school. I mean, we know that's a plot device for the audience. But it's still just yeah. like, come on, Bobby. You know, <laughs> you're in, you were in love with this woman. You should know everything about her. <laughs> yep, and, and this is the point where we find out that, as you said at the top of the episode... Yeah, Joey definitely has some issues here. I mean, because we get there, we get there. They they we get there, and um, they find Joey, I guess, in the bathroom, and yep. and Kim's just like, just like, and she's like, "Why are you all wet?" Yeah, I guess Joey. Uh, I guess Joey. Um, I'll just say it. <laughs> I guess Joey. I guess. Jo- I guess Joey. We know Joey intentionally started that fire. Well, yeah. I mean, it's kind of the, school. the way this um, is kind of set up. It's great, sort of the way they arrive, and obviously, you know, we just get a brief Sully and Davis moment there, where you know, what does uh, Sully say? Like, oh, Davis, I've got to have to write a report on this. And he's like, well, you're the one who wanted to come in here, so let's go. Uh, and then, yeah, they. Yeah. I, love, I love when they arrive, and like this principal or the teacher straight away knows it's Kim, Miss Zambrano. We've been trying Ms. to. Like, I mean, just of all the paramedics that could show up, you obviously know that she's going to show up because it's, you know, his son, her son goes there. But yeah, just this little scene when, um, this is kind of creepy Joey because, you know, here he is soaked in wet yeah. and it's kind of like, you know. He must have tried to put that fire out. Yeah, but just the way she kind of says to him, like, oh, you know, you weren't involved. Tell me, he's, he's, don't be stupid. His dad's a firefighter. And it's like, who else was with you? And he just shrugs. Like, Joey, answer me. He just shrugs. He doesn't care. There's something wrong with this kid. Yeah, I'll say this. I'll say this. Thank God they nipped that in the in the butt because he could have. <laughs> I mean, if they if if they had if they had ignored that, two or three seasons later, he would have he would have set like a massive blaze or something, and they all would have been and they all would have responded to it or some shit. The massive factory fire episode that we get. That's Joey secretly starting that fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah spoiler alert yeah later in the season major 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 fire he um yeah i mean it's just one thing i'll say i mean it's it's kind of an in like you know he's a he's a parent he's a child obviously from like a, a broken home he's been fought over constantly but and it's, this is what i think this episode handles well it's kind of kim's situation and how she's struggling and dealing with this situation and kind of you know, this is where we'll get to the moments where you're sort of a questioning Kim, like, are you on her side? You feel you feel for her because you can't let something go, or you're just like, oh, God, Kim, you're like Bobby, like, you know, get over it. You know, you can't see the reason behind your divorce. And I kind of think they handle this well. Because, I mean, the thing that I will say with this is what I also think this works is that, you know, we get little hints and subtle references to what's happened in Kim's past between Kim and Jimmy, Um 
you know, in the first season leading up to this moment. And, you know, with Jimmy's episode, it wasn't really about his personal life. It was more about him, his pride and kind of overcoming, you know, the, his uh, challenges to get back to where he is and kind of going over why he became a firefighter. With Kim, this is more addressing not only sort of her personal demons, but also when it comes to what happened to the breakup. I like how they bring her sister into this and all that sort of stuff too. So we'll get to that. But this is what I like yeah. about this episode. Um, so anyway, we get the credits here. Uh, just, I'm just going to keep noting this until her name appears on the credits. Still no Amy Carlson on the credits. She's still listed as a special guest this episode. So we haven't had her added quite yet to the, uh, credits. Um. When does she get added? Look, I'm, I thought it was by now. I thought at least after hours. She's still a special guest in after hours. So, um, at some point this season, <laughs> I don't know the specific one. I'm sure one of our listeners is probably going to message us and tell us, but, uh, yeah, I'm going to... Skip. Yeah, what's the guy's name who always messages uh, you? Orchides. He'll, he'll message in Orchides or Barb. That one of them will, but, um... Yeah, I, I mean, I think there's... I'm just going to keep an eye on it. I, I usually skip over the credits generally for these recaps to take notes, but I'll keep looking yeah. at for you avid fans out there until her name's added. Because, I mean, this is what we're... I think we sort of went over the credits. You know, ensemble cast, they just put them in alphabetical order. So when it says, like, starring, you know, Michael Beach, it's just because his name comes first uh, alphabetically. Right. So uh, they do add Amy Carson's in alphabetically, if I'm not mistaken. I know by the end of this show, they do not make it alphabetically so like josh stewart and cara bueno are just kind of tacked on at the end um but um yeah we'll we'll, i'll I'll find out when that happens um so we get just kind of this scene with them all in the principal's office it's a different principal from the one we had last year so st mary's uh goes through principals quite uh frequently apparently uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they, have, they have a few to. to I have through. no comments. <laughs> it's it's a high turnover. Because turn what I would, because, yeah, because uh, never mind. I'm not going to go. No, go there, go please, Darvell. Please be controversial. We want you to. If it is controversial, I don't know. Huh. <laughs> well, this would this would be cut this. This would say this it, would definitely say it, say it, say this would it. definitely be controversial. Okay, come on, Darvell. Well, I mean, it is a it is a Catholic school. So, is there any wonder why they have a high principal turnover rate? <laughs> True, I, I see where you're going there. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, although that. That that issue is not a laughing matter, but no, still. No, absolutely not. But uh, I see where you're going there. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is kind of just a nice little scene. Obviously, once again, I, I think we got this in the first season. Straight away, the uh, the principal was like, maybe he needs child therapy. Now, a season ago, maybe a bit of a Clearly. dick. Well, maybe a bit of a dick moment from the principal, because you may be thinking, oh, you know, that's a bit mean. Like, all my kid did was push someone off the jungle gym and broke his arm. This time he's burning shit down. Kim and Jimmy, listen to the school. They clearly know he needs therapy. All right? <laughs> dirty, dirty kid moment? Yeah, well, well, yeah, not necessarily, because, I mean, I, I, yeah, it is in a way, oh. because it's never addressed further. We never get the Joey Goes to Therapy episode. But do we really want the Joey Goes to Therapy episode? What's he going to sit there in a therapy? I'm going to eat you up. Rah, rah, rah. It's like, Joey, listen to me. Why do you want to burn stuff? <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Um, I mean, yeah, it's, it kind of is. Kind of isn't. Um, but, 
yeah, it's it's kind of, you know, we get a bit of Jimmy and Kim. You know, oh, he was fine this morning. Um, and then we sort of, we um, organised, uh, is this where they organised the family dinner? No, not quite yet. Um, <laughs> no, oh, no it, is, it is, it is, it is, sorry, it is this uh, point. They say we need to talk together. Oh. It is, sorry, uh, we're going to take, and we'll, you know, 8 o'clock my place tomorrow night. This is where they sort of organise it. Uh, then we get. I like this scene though. I like kind of Joey in the ambulance with Kim and Bobby. Uh, his Bobby goes nowhere, but a nice little Bobby moment. We know how good Bobby is with little boys, as we saw in Dirty Kid. But um, you know, I just kind of like this when Kim sort of and and last and 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 last season too. We saw how good Bobby was with Joey when true. Joey had all that candy and got sick. Very true. First, Joey, uh, you know, hashtag Bobby would have been a good father. Um, Absolutely. So, but I like this scene kind of where, you know, Kim sort of says, oh, sorry it took so long. Bobby's like, no, Joey comes first. And then, you know, Kim's like talking to Joey. <laughs> What's Joey saying? Like, oh, when are we getting a Christmas tree? This kid has got issues. He's not listening. He's just like spurting out shit. This kid's freaky in this episode. And and Bobby just Bobby just basically says, you know, what any what any what any good father would have said, something like. Joey, do you hear your mom talking to you? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And this is kind of like, they play off each other well, and this is, again, like, hashtag Bobby and Kim would have worked as a couple, maybe, because, you know, he would have been good at raising Joey, unlike Jimmy. Um, But I just like, I just like creepy little Joey here. When are we getting a Christmas tree? It's like, listen, why aren't you listening to Kim? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, really. Um, but yeah, props again to, um, to, uh, to the actor here. Um, uh, I've got Chris. That. Thank you. Something or other. Chris something or other. Yeah. Um, I wanted, uh, I just keep forgetting Christmas Scott Fidel. Thank you, Ben. Um, you know, well handled. I mean, you know, he doesn't have a whole lot of lines, but he still handles it well. Uh, this is, mm-hmm. this is where we get, I just love the way they cut to Joey with his, like, little, maybe that's Mr. Wampel, this green dinosaur thing. No, he's just like, I'm gonna eat you up, rah, rah, rah. Like, just a <laughs> random little scene that I like. Um, I, it reminds I, me of, reminds me of Andy in Toy Story. Yes. <laughs> that's a good point. Except Andy is not, except Andy is not creepy. No, exactly, exactly. Uh, and, and Andy doesn't have a father figure. Um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Anyway, uh, so, but here we get... Now, he's uh, a familiar face, sort of, maybe, maybe not. Uh, it's Kim's mum, but uh, not really a familiar face, because let's go back a season when this is a completely different actress. So, <laughs> clearly, they didn't know what they were doing with Kim's mum. Uh, in season one, it was played by the esteemed Mary Kay Adams, but from this point on, we meet Anne Twomey, who from now on will be Kim's mum. So she'll appear in a few more episodes moving forward. Uh, but mm-hmm. at some point, um, they decided that Kim's mum should get some facial surgery, uh, maybe to connect our other shows. She went to Nip Tuck in Miami and got things fixed. But um, yeah, uh, this is just kind of one of those subtle little things where they've recast a role. Uh, blink and you miss it. You're not going to notice this unless you're us. Uh, you know, doing this, but, uh, <laughs> you know, Kim's mum, she's changed. Um, but, uh, I, I kind of like the scenes between, like, Kim's mum and her. You know, what does she say? Like, oh, come here, you little firebug. It's like, don't call him that. <laughs> <laughs> Bad timing! <laughs> like, seriously, that's yeah. kind of a bit of a dick Kim's mum moment. Like, come here, you little firebug. Like, you're not going to say this, like, if he was, like, molesting people. Come here, you little molester. Like, I mean, you know. 
again, Catholic school. But, um, yeah. <laughs> Had to yeah. say it. But, um, yeah. it's interesting. Yeah, well. There's yeah. nothing really to talk about in this scene. It's just kind of, no, she's dropping no. him off. Uh, there's a bit of a reference to his, her stepdad. Um, which, you know, it's a nice little background moment, which we'll get to obviously after. Uh, Kim and Bobby get called back to Loretta and the guy, which we've got his name. Sadly, he's died. His heart stopped and he says like, oh, hopefully you can have some peace now. And kind of, uh, we get this line of of Kim says, oh, you've got to let go. I mean, this is kind of one of those nice little ones, you know, retcon moments where they all connected into each other. Here's Kim saying, you've got to let it go. Yet we're going to obviously for the rest of this episode, Kim not taking her own advice, really. Yeah, kind of like in the kind of like in I think it was episode seven of season one where Jimmy rescued a boy from a who had gotten stuck yeah. up in a tree. The infamous tree his, scene. His, yes. <laughs> yeah, and his his fa- th- this boy's father wasn't really much of a father to him, and and Jimmy was like, and Jimmy said to him after he got the boy after he got the boy down, like you you should get to know your you should get to know your son. You should find out what he likes to do. do 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 the things with him that he likes to do, and Kim goes. You don't even see the irony, do you? Yeah. I mean, you kind of want to say that to Kim here. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. No, completely agree. Um. So we then get. I like this nice little scene here with Brooke and Kim. It's kind of you know, Brooke shows up and sort of here to pick up Jimmy's paycheck, but they just kind of have this nice little conversation about you know, oh look, you know, I thought maybe I'd ask you some questions. Is there a schedule? You know, to raise him how you want. I I like this. Like this is the thing with Brooke. This is kind of maybe why I like her. It's kind of you know, Kim's sort of the one causing the conflict between these three. Um, Jimmy's sort of trying to, I guess, get his life together. He's the one who's kind of maturing at this point, which is weird to say, like a season ago. This is, this is again, what I like about Kim and Jimmy, that it's always a roller coaster between these two about who's the mature one and who's the immature one. Season one, it was all about Jimmy being the immature one and Kim being the responsible one. Really, from this point on, and it's, you know, this episode, I think, is kind of the starting point. You're going to see a lot more of Jimmy being the mature one, except for maybe something he does in a couple of episodes. Um, and Kim. Get yeah, and Kim sort of turns out to be the the immature, which it's, I don't like to say immature because obviously she has circumstances coming up at the end of this season which cause her to turn out a certain way. But um, I like that dynamic, the fact that this is why Joey is so screwed up because like both of his parents aren't exactly you know rock solid foundations here. Yeah, yep, and it's starting to ma- it's starting to manifest itself, you yeah. know, with him. Pushing a pushing a kid off the jungle gym in the episode where uh, where where and and then and then that and then that same episode where he pushed the kid off the jungle gym. I mean, he watched his dad get confronted by the bookies and yeah, he's seen this, shit. I mean, this kid, this kid's this kid, oh yeah, this kid's been through a lot. He really yeah. has. So no wonder he's burning shit down. Maybe we need to be not so harsh. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I know I like this scene. Kim yeah, sort of comes well, up. No, no, I'm not trying to make excuses for him. <laughs> nah, you I'm can bu- kind of. It's all right. I, I, it's it's fair enough in this board. I think. Um, you know, Kim says she'll come up with a list here. Um, and then I just like the line there where Brooke's like, you know, it doesn't have to be weird between us. Like, yeah, go Brooke. Like, I like Brooke. You know. Yeah, evil or review, evil or review, evil or rue. Maybe that's what we need to call. That's what we need to call our closing segments. Now let's get to our evil or reviews. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think she'd like that. The uh, in in, in, in tribute to the esteemed Brooke, the evil or review section of the Oz Network. Yeah, 
I like that actually. Yeah, we're gonna, let's, for now on, we now like we, I, I'm all down for sponsors. Like if all of a sudden, you know, I don't know, Walmart comes in and we call it the Walmart Review. Like I'm I'm gonna sell out. I'm fine to do that. But until we sell out, I think we're gonna officially rename the review section here on the Oz Network, and maybe we'll just keep it third watch centric. I don't know if we'll trickle into our other ones. The Evil Review. Are you gonna buy it, pin it, or rent it? So there you go. In, the, in reference to the theme Brook. This episode. At the end of this episode. <laughs> and in, in, in reference to that, we're going to rename the Binnet category the Dirty Kid. So you're going to buy it, <laughs> rent it, or Dirty Kid it. Or Dirty Kid it. <laughs> okay, so what are the other two, the other two going to be then? Uh, buy it buy can it, be... Gonna... Are you going to after-hours it? Are you going to rent it, which can be... I don't know. Um, uh, what's the middle ground character in Third Watch? Um, uh, yeah... Uh, Are DK. there really any middle ground uh, characters? <laughs> no, I like DK. That's a bit mean. Uh, <laughs> are you going to grace it? <laughs> Come on, Grace, really? Uh, <laughs> she has a moment, but other than that, she's just there. Uh, <laughs> or are you going to dirty kid it? There you go. Uh, after hours, Grace and dirty kid. Dirty kid. Evil a review section. Um... <laughs> Anyway, um, so we've got Bobby and Kim. They're in the car. Uh, Bobby, uh, the car, the ambulance. Bobby's uh, complaining about Kim doing a nail. I thought it reminds me of my sister's. I like the smell of nail polish. I kind of, I don't know. I used to love it when my mum used to do that. Just kind of like that smell. Um, we find out the esteemed Paolo is covering for Kim when she goes home for a thing. Ah, oh, you know, that esteemed paramedic, Paolo. Don't you love Paolo, Darby? He gets about three references this episode. Who's Paolo? No idea. Like, who is he? I want, I want, I want the Paolo episode. I want the Paolo backstory. He sounds like a good guy. <laughs> I guess they didn't think that. I guess they didn't think to add him to the cast. No, exactly. I mean, you know, we struggle for para- I love how we struggle for paramedic numbers moving forward in this season. Hence, why Taylor has to keep going back and being a paramedic. What happens to Paolo? Like, <laughs> maybe he transfers houses. Maybe he gets shot in this season too. Uh, whoops! Uh, spoiler alert. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> well, you said maybe he gets shot in the season two. You didn't specify. Didn't say who gets shot. So you know. Yeah. Um, Bobby tells a we'll story about having sex happen. in the subway. Um, cool. Uh, <laughs> A random slut Bobby moment um, as a kid. Um, you know, I don't discriminate. See, I call men sluts too. It's fine. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But just, I like that kind of conversation they're having about school and what is Bobby's line about? Oh, it's the difference between having sex at the Waldorf and having sex in the subway. You had sex in the subway? And it's like, keep keep clear of the closing doors, baby. <laughs> <laughs> like random funny Bobby goes nowhere moment. Yeah. Uh, this is what I mean. Bobby's is still brilliant. We just never get these damn moments because we forget the guy exists. Uh, For so the most part. We get this uh, scene, though. We get uh, a drunken guy crashing into a construction oh, site. Oh, yes. Uh, and basically this leads into this epic scene of um, he's absolutely loaded. His wife's in the front seat. 
she's di- she's dead. She's eight months pregnant. And we kind of get this scene here between Doc and Kim uh, sort of arguing. Uh, basically, Kim saying we need to amputate her legs because we can get her out. We can save the baby. But they need to do- go through protocol. They need to wait for the field surgeon. Um, but they're basically like, oh, we can't get clearance for that. It's going to take too long. So they basically get the firefighters to cut her legs off. I like the little Doc moment there when he's trying to get permission. Sorry, I can't hear you. Bad line. Um, and then we go all the way back to the hospital. Uh, the baby is saved. Um, and we kind of find out that the construction worker is dead. Now, I mean, I kind of gel over that quickly because, I mean, you know, it's, it's an epic scene. I'm not trying to gel over it, the fact that it's pointless. I mean, it's a great scene. This is kind of what I was talking about before about how we get a really good sort of actual job episode, like a job scene this episode. The things I want to talk about this separately, um, the, this is, Really, like, this happened here in Hobart, uh, where I'm from, uh, about, oh, a year and a half ago now. Um, and I Something was, similar? Oh, very similar. I was actually working uh, at the newspaper at the time, the Mercury here. I remember I remember vividly driving into work. Uh, my then partner, fiancé, sort of messaged me saying, oh, there's been a car crash in the city, uh, you'll be delayed. And, of course, I'm, like, rolling my eyes, like, oh, great, I'm going to be late for work. Only to find out, get to work, find out that... Um, and I drove past the car. I saw it completely smashed up um, and found out that, you know, it, somebody had been killed in it. So it's kind of like, okay, that's sad. But then the story kept developing all morning. So then it kind of basically, oh, you know, the woman in the car was pregnant. It's like, oh, shit. Then you found out, oh, they've actually, like, the woman's died, but they've saved the baby. They've taken her to hospital and they've delivered the baby. Um, and this became like a national story because basically uh, the, what killed this woman is this woman had dropped her... I don't know if they were married. I think it was just her boyfriend off, like, at work at, like, 3 o'clock in the morning because he was a baker. And as she was driving back through the city, she went through a green light and this car that had been stolen by, like, three 15-year-old kids just sped through the city and collected her and then they all did a runner. So, of course, you know, it was a tragic story. Um, And she had another kid in the car too. There was, like, a five-year-old kid in the car that also survived. So... Um, you know, this was just huge story here in Australia because, you know, this mother died, but they saved a baby. The paramedics, like, you know, delivered the baby. I don't know if they amputated her leg. Um, you read my mind. I was getting ready to ask. No, I, I don't know the specifics of that, but it was a huge story here. Um, and one of the hardest ones I say I ever had to do is the next day I was working and I had, they had like a candlelight vigil for her at the crash scene. Uh, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people showed up. Uh, it was a national story. Um, and it was just, I had to sort of had the task of going around trying to speak to the, you know, her family members and that awkward, stupid moment that journalists have to do and, oh, how are you feeling? Uh, which is not the type How do of, you think? It's not the type <laughs> of stuff I want to do as a journalist. So it was very hard, you know, not as hard as it was for her family, of course. Uh, but anyway, so that was like yeah. a real thing here. But the one thing that I have to say about this scene, though, is that um, we do get a bit of this moving forward, kind of Doc, you know, implanting his seniority with Kim, particularly. There are definitely some episodes with Kim and Doc sort of clash, which I like. I like Doc and Kim clashing. Um, but, like, the way Doc's like, I'm senior here, you know, this is my call. Like, you can tell Doc is not fighting it as much as he will in other episodes, just because, as kind of Kim has that line, you would have done the same thing. And Doc's kind of like, maybe, maybe not. And this is kind of what I take out of this scene, is that Doc really should be putting his foot down here and saying, like, I'm the boss here, you will listen to me. If you do this, I will write you up. And we do, as I said, we get that between Doc and Kim through certain points of this show. 
But, like, I, I kind of take from this, I don't know if you do the same here too, Darvell, but that, that's Doc saying, like, he kind of mainly agrees with Kim. He just kind of has to play the, you know, the boss card here. And this is the this is probably the very yeah. first time, I think it is the very first time, we get a paramedic pulling rank. You know, I'm the senior here. And this is the first time we ever get reference to that, that I guess in a situation like this, you do need to have seniority when it comes to certain positions. So, I don't know. This I like this whole scene. It's tense. It's, you know, it's it's very, like, if you kind of analyse this separately, it's very TV. Like, we need to cut the leg. We need to save the baby. But, I mean, again, having just said that this happened in real life here, I can kind of, you know, connect with this more. Uh, but I just think it's, I just, this scene is thoroughly well done. Yes. Although... I don't know if this would be considered pulling the senior rank, but um, you remember in what was the second episode of season one called? Anywhere but here. Uh, from memory, it was yes, yes, yes. Um, where Jerry has just gotten shot. Doc is in the hospital talking to his wife, and mm-hmm. and she says that they had enough seniority not to be out in the not to be out in that neighborhood. True. True. Yeah, you know, good point. Good point. Yeah. Didn't think of that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of interesting because, like, I think um, what I like about what they do with the paramedics uh, through a lot of this show is kind of when Bobby leaves and we've kind of got situations involved with Doc in the future, kind of it does fall on Kim sort of being the senior. Like, Kim becomes the senior one. So, like, you know. Spoiler alert. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of, it's. I find it interesting that, you know, we kind of, we don't get a whole lot around the paramedics in terms of, like, how long they've been on the job, if you know what I mean. Like, we, we get a lot of that to do with the cops moving forward. But, I mean, we never, I don't think, and by all means, Orcades, Barb, correct me here if I'm wrong, but I don't think from memory we ever get a whole lot on Kim and Bobby, how long they've been together, if you know what I mean. You assume they've been together for quite some time, given that they know each other so well and they're so close. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's just kind of... You know, we get the Jimmy storyline about why he became a firefighter. We never get the why did Kim and Bobby become a paramedic, if you know what I mean. So, I don't know if you had something to add there. Sound like you were getting ready to say something there, Darvell, or <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know if this was ever said on the show, but I think Bobby had been a... I think Bobby was a medic for, like, and this might be something I just read on some random article. I think Bobby was a medic for like maybe five years, or at least worked with Kim for five years. It, look, I'm sure it's reference. I'm sure I'm missing a glaring um, episode. Uh, and again, uh, you, I, 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 I think you'd be right. And again, Orkides, uh Barb are probably going to comment and say, like, I mean, my infamous moment, I think, from season one, when I was like, Bosco and Davis never pair up. And then I kind of had a weird little debate with Barb. And I need to be correct, and we're going to get that next episode. Um, but, yeah, it's... Um I'm sure it's mentioned. It's just, I think it's, what I mean is, I guess it's not a glaringly obvious one. Like, we know about Bosco and Yokus. We know how long Sully's been on the job. Doc, you know, we sort of get that reference a lot to um, Carlos. Obviously, we know. Davis, we obviously know. We've been there since the beginning. So, um, yeah. it's And Jimmy, obviously, we had a whole episode about it. So, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I not that this, I mean, it would have been nice, I guess, to have a bit of a background one. Like, I mean, if they had a kept Jim, uh, Bobby, uh, yeah, Bobby and Kim on longer, it would have been nice to have a flashback Bobby and Kim episode like we do with the Bosco Yokes episode, you know what I mean? Um, so, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we don't want Third Watch to go too overboard with the, too overboard with the flashbacks. I think the two right. that they do 
Um, the two main ones. I know they're kind of other subtle little... I mean, technically, you would argue this is a flashback with Kip uh, at the beginning of the episode. But um, anyway, just thought I'd mention that. Uh, just a quick little note here. Yeah. We also get the return of the esteemed Dr. Montville, uh, which, you know, he, he'll come back a little bit more at the end of this episode. Uh, I like Dr. Montville. He's kind of just the, the anti-Morales um, who really just is a bit of a dick, but you can kind of see where he's coming from. And just a special note here, um, the drunken driver here... Uh, this is kind of another case of Third Watch having an actor in it before they sort of really make it big. Uh, this isn't sort of, you know, on your levels of some of the other actors that we've had, you know, your, your Will Arnett's, uh, and, um, your, oh, I've gone blank on the name from Glee now. You know, it's not one of these moments, but this guy is, uh, Liam, Liam Michelle. Liam Michelle, thank you very much. Um, this is Boris MacGyver. Now, uh, no, it's not MacGyver, the TV, uh, show. Um, but I mean, he's an actor who has been in lots and lots and lots of things. He was kind of really starting out at this point, but, um, I think I best know him, if you're a House of Cards fan, anybody out there, it's Tom Hammerschmidt from uh, House of Cards. But, I mean, you know, he's oh, I been... thought you were going to say Kevin Spacey. No, no, not Kevin Spacey. But, I mean, you know, looking at his credits here, being in lots of other things, he had a recurring role on uh, Boardwalk Empire. He was on Person of Interest. Uh, so, you know, he's been in a lot of things. But, yeah, I think most... I, I would probably say he's best known as Tom Hammerschmidt from House of Cards. So, as soon as I saw him, I'm like, hey, it's Tom! Um, so... You know, House of Cards, brilliant show, brilliant show. And I don't care, like, this is dating this episode. We kind of talked about this in some of our lost episodes that we bring up Kevin Spacey. Um, I'm not going to comment on the whatever's happening with him, but no matter what is Nor happening with Kevin Spacey, at the end of the day, such a fucking fantastic show and such an amazing actor. So, yeah, House of Cards, we're doing that at one point on this show. Um, so, yeah, just wanted to point that out. Uh, random All appearance right. by Tom Hammerschmidt. Um, so we get, uh, what do we got here? So I like that little line from Kim when kind of they're talking about the kid, how the baby's been rescued and they're talking about like, oh, you know, I think Carlos is This morning she was ready to enter a family. Yeah. And just how they're talking about like, you know, I'll probably better off without a parent, you know, a, you know, a drunken dad, but then Kim's little line, she might end up somewhere worse, which is kind of like, you know, an interesting point. Carlos should uh, probably relate to that a lot. Um, we then get, uh, Kim and Bobby showing up to a well-being call, uh, where there's an old man, uh, who, uh, this paper guy outside, um, just remember him, random, very attractive paper guy, uh, they go upstairs, he's Yokers and Bosco, random appearance by them, uh, we've got, uh, they're just checking up on an old guy who's talking about pink bunnies and Jimmy Carter, Cool. Um, <laughs> Bosco's great line yeah. when this old guy says boobies and Bosco, boobies, now we're talking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Typical Bosco. Love it. Love it. Um, then kind of as they wheel him outside, we get this news, attractive news guy. How about I just call you? You've got to be kidding. Um, I don't know why we need that line from Kim, like Dick Kim moment. He's just being nice. Um, so, okay. <laughs> Uh, just bookmark that, kids. We're going to see him again soon. Um, we we're going to see attract. We're going to see attractive paper guy again soon. Oh yeah, we will see attractive paper guy in more ways than one. Um, we get uh, just <laughs> nice little Taylor and Kim moment. Uh, we hear about the Steve Paolo again covering for Kim. Um, and this is kind of Kim getting ready to go to this. 
family reunion. This is kind of just the tacked on Taylor scene. We need to, hey everyone, remember we introduced a new character called Taylor? Here she is having a random conversation with the, everybody's favourite Kim, which is weird given that like an episode ago, Taylor was a bit of a dick to Kim. Now she's come around and wants to be buddy buddies and is talking about the family reunion at the boathouse they went on last summer. So, um, yeah. fair enough. Yep. Uh, we get. <laughs> yep, and then. Yeah, you oh, go. Sorry. There you go. I was. Oh, were you getting to the dinner scene? Absolutely. That's where we're at next. Uh, yep. Which turns into. Uh, it, <laughs> it goes completely haywire. Well, it's. One thing I'll say about this scene is just kind of like, you know, I like the. the com- like. I have to say, the acting here from Eddie Sibrin and Kim Rabe is great around uh, little shit Christopher. Uh, you know, just the way they kind of handle it. You believe these two are parents uh, to yeah. this kid. And I just... <laughs> the random scene where, like... What is they? I don't know if it's Kim or Jimmy says, like, you remember what I... I think it's Jimmy. Like, you remember what I taught you about fire safety? He just gets up. Stop. Drop. Roll. The way he just acts it out. Like, he's got <laughs> something wrong with him. Just like, what the hell are you doing? Little shit. (laughs) Practicing my arsonist skills. (laughs) I know what to do in case I burn the house down. Stop, drop, (laughs) roll. (laughs) Idiot. Yeah. (laughs) And he's lying there. I know, I know, I know. No, you don't know. You're trying to burn the school down. Uh, Why why does St. Michael's, or whatever it's called, it's St. Mary's. St. Mary's. Why do they put up with him? Why are they not, like, like expelling him? He's broken a kid's arm, and now they're burning his school down. Maybe Jimmy's parents are really big donors. Well, do we ever learn about how... Who are Jimmy's parents? We never meet them. Like... (laughs) Uh, believe me, if you have a, if you're, and trust, trust me, I know because I went to a, I went to a private college. If you have, if you have kid, if you have kids, or in the case of a private college, young adults who are stu- who are students at that college, and someone related to them is a big donor, you're you're going to be more lenient with them. Right. Sad but true. Okay. Well. So. I believe Jimmy's parents I mean, are Donald my... and Ivanka Trump or something like that, then. Oh, God, I hope not. If so, <laughs> I feel sorry for everything they ever laid hands on. Everyone they ever laid hands on. <laughs> We're going to see some White House press conference, and yes, uh, here's my new son, Eddie Cibrian. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, really. But I just like this is the scene here where it's like, oh, um, you know, when did this happen? What about Adam? I hate Adam. Oh, why do you hate Adam? He told everyone I made out with Wendy, and I didn't. Like, you're six. (laughs) Exactly, you're six. You don't even know what making out means. I mean, God, I wish I was six and making out with people. Like, I would have had a much better life. I didn't even know what kissing was at the age of six. Well, I'm making out. (laughs) (laughs) Which Which brings into mind, how old is this Adam guy? Well, I mean, is he Joey's age, even? Because... I'm guessing. I mean, it's never referenced. Do we even meet Adam? I don't think we do, so... No. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of... It's a bit weird, but... Okay, cool. Joey's making yeah. out. Um, At six years old. Yep, sure. Why not? Um, and then kind of... What does he say? Like, this is, again, creepy Joey. Because it's like, did you want to hurt him? We never get a no. Like... It's implied here that he's just, like, trying to burn Adam to death. (laughs) 
psychopath of the making. He really is a psychopath. You know what? If you know, if we need to see that, if we need to see this guy and anything else. Put him on Criminal Minds as a grown-up <laughs> Joey Doherty. Yes, we, we need to kind of have like a connecting episode there in this universe. Um, so anyway, Jimmy puts Joey to bed. Kim starts macking it on with Jimmy. We get kind of shirtless, sexy Eddie Sibra in here getting kissed down the waist. Why not? Um, and this has kind of changed Jimmy. You know, whoa, Kim, slow down, slow down. It's like, what's Kim say? You tired? And then he's just like, oh, plenty of time. And then Kim's like, oh, I love you. And it's like, oh, okay. You know, here we go. Um, uh, Q, Q, Bear, Q Barry White. Yeah, ex- exactly. Um, Barry White. Which... <laughs> Turn on the Barry White. <laughs> you do that surprisingly well. Um, <laughs> hey, I, I, li- I, listen to, I listen to Barry White, so what can I say? With people, Darvell, or by yourself? Uh- <laughs> <laughs> by myself, no special lady yet. Oh, well, I mean, you know, as long as it's special for you. Uh, we get, <laughs> Fuck we, you. <laughs> we, get, we get the scene at the firehouse, uh, you know, Doc sort of saying, oh, I'll, uh, I'll write you up next time. Um, you know, kind of just a little scene there. But this is where we get Bobby and um, and Kim, the first sort of like, oh, you know, I told him I loved him. We're working it out. Uh, and Bobby kind of going off at Kim a little bit. You know, classic Bobby and Kim moment. You know, we haven't had this in a while. I do like Carlos's yeah. little scene. Carlos is just watching on. And this Carlos is like, are you in the Are you in the Looney Tune? You know. <laughs> I just love Carlos in this scene. <laughs> it's just so random. Uh, we just get a random soccer scene here. Carlos complaining that he hasn't been invited to Jimmy's bachelor party. Uh, and then, I mean, this is just kind of, this is maybe the, I don't say the dirty kid scene. It's just kind of another scene here where we're going to get Kim sort of, you know, relating this to her life about, oh, you know, there's a loving parents taking him to the soccer game. It's, it's really nothing to talk about here. Um, so this is obviously though, we've got Bobby and Kim again, fighting the ambulance, um, and kind of like talking about, you know, this Bobby is going off at Kim. He needs a father, you idiot. Uh, which I think that's Kim's line. It's kind of, what is this, this is when Bobby's like, what is this, a seventh grade? Like, you're not talking to me. Um, and then this is where Doc speeds up next, you know, random Kim and Bobby have walked off with the lighter cane. So, you know, angry Doc moment. You've got our lighter cane! Um, which is kind of random, but I kind of like it. It's just kind of like yeah. a random character <laughs> moment. Um, yeah. This is obviously where Bobby's, you know, wake up. Going off at her, because uh, this is where kind of Kim drop reference to it's Melanie's fault. He's her sister. Uh, I mean, again, I'll, I'll come back here if you've got anything to add on this, but this is obviously where we meet Melanie for the first time, the esteemed Melanie. She's a barmaid, yep. uh, kind of similar to yep. Jimmy's brother a season ago. I don't see any family resemblance here, but okay. Uh, <laughs> yep, and, Mel- and Melanie played by. I always. I always want to know who plays these random guest stars for some reason. Well, Melanie's played yeah. by the esteemed Bonnie Root, um, which that name actually does sound familiar. Uh, she's been in a few things, old Bonnie Root, here by looking at things. She's still acting. She's one of these sort of every actresses who have been in, you know, random appearances in episodes. She was in Law & Order LA, CSI, Crime Scene Investigation, um, yep, the original CSI, yes. She was a uh, regular in Cold Case. Um, oh, so classic show there. Jag. 
Uh, oh, she was in Third Watch. Um, yeah, I mean, she's been, she was in an episode of ER. So, yeah, she's one of these everyone's who's been in a lot of things. But, um, obviously, mm-hmm. this is Kim kind of coming in and it's sort of, it's, it, this is, this is where, like, you start to take a turn on Kim, isn't it? Because she's come into this bar to confront Melanie. It's been about a year and a half since they've spoken. And she's just basically, Kim's like, how did you seduce my husband? And she's like, you think I seduced him? Like, she's blaming Melanie when I think it's very much implied that it's probably more so Jimmy that's to blame for all this. Uh, and then kind of her line when she's like, I need to know how to keep women like you away from my husband. And then she's just like, oh, you're back with him. And then she just storms out. So this is kind of, Kim's really gone off the rails here. Kim is absolutely adamant that her and Jimmy are back together. That her is- and Jimmy are meant to be together. She's like, the, the flick is switched in her head. And this is where everybody at this point is really saying, like, Kim, God, just come on, move on. And this is this is where, as I was saying at the beginning of this episode, this is the this, there's no middle ground here. You're either Team Kim or you're anti Kim here. You're feeling for her or you're like, Jesus Christ, move on. So uh this is I'm gonna say it, this is where I'm really connecting with Kim from a personal level right now. So um yeah, I won't go into too much details, but um, yeah, I I'm definitely connecting with Kim here, and not in the way that I wish I could. But uh, do you have anything really yeah. to add on these scenes that I've got over? <laughs> no, because I'd basically be repeating myself. Yeah, in terms of what I, in terms of some stuff I said at the top of the episode. The one thing I will say though, in Kim's defence, he's Kim uh, Ben defending weird Kim here. Um, you know, just keep an eye out how Kim and Jimmy turn out, people. All right, <laughs> so <laughs> just gonna say it. Uh, but then we get this great scene. Like, I don't think I'm really giving too much credit for the acting in this episode. And like, we talked a lot last episode about Eddie Cibrian and kind of you know a lot of the acting. But huge props to Kim Raver in this episode. She does so well. Uh, such great acting. She's that got I will say. A lot to deal with in terms of like you know just the the scene with the baby in the car. And then, you know, just the, the emotions that she's dealing with. And she's one that maybe I feel we haven't really gone over too much of her acting ability. Kim Rave is a fantastic actress. Um, you know, I always comment about how she went from my favourite show to my second favourite show when she went to 24. And I think a lot of people, like, mm-hmm. I talked about how, you know, Kim's never one of these people in third watch. She's like, oh, I absolutely fucking love Kim. You know, she's kind of just one there that nobody overly talks about. I think it's even less so in 24 when she plays Audrey. So many 24 fans hated Audrey. They're like, oh my God, she's so annoying. I fucking loved Audrey. Like, okay, I'm biased because I love him. But, you know, um, outside of Jack Bauer's, uh, you know, love for his sadly departed wife, spoiler alert, um, I always tack on to the Jack Audrey storyline. Um, the FBI agent, I can't even remember a name that came into it in like what season six. Um, I never bought seven. Renee, Renee, thank you. Yeah, I never, I never bought Jack and Renee. I'm sorry, I was not a fan of that pairing. So I'm Team Jack and Audrey. Just gonna say it. Um, so (laughs) rest in peace, Audrey, because she doesn't. uh, Spoiling twenty four when we eventually cover that. Um, but anyway, so by the time we get to that point, though, they will have forgotten you said this. Yeah, well, true. We'll probably be another five years before we get to that point. Um, but yeah, so this is, I love this scene though. Kim shows up to Jimmy's house at night. 
kind of, you know, is trying to get into bed. And this is kind of Jimmy being the bigger man here and just basically like, look, you know, we shouldn't be doing this. You know, what are you doing? We'll have lunch this weekend. Just completely shutting him, shutting her down. And this is the first time we ever see Jimmy shutting her down. Probably the first time in Jimmy's life he's shut down an attractive woman. So go, Jimmy. You're growing. Um, yep. But I just... Slowly I, but surely. I just... This is a whole sequence here by Kim. I just love her standing outside the apartment, knocking on the door, ringing up, you know, come on, Jimmy, answer no! the phone. No! Come on, phone. Jimmy! Yeah. And just when she's like, damn it, just the way she says that and leaves, like, that's how she got the role on 24, by the way. She was good at saying the word, damn it. Um, but I just, I don't know, just so props to when Kim. When did she ever say it in 24, though? Well, I mean, Jack says it. That's that's the point. Like, that's Jack's well, yeah. go-to line. <laughs> so that's yeah, why they... <laughs> damn it! <laughs> um, but this is this is sort of leads to this sequence of Kim obviously has been shut down so what's the best thing she's going to do? She's going to go back to sexy paperboy and hook up with him. Oh, that's who, okay, okay. That's who she. That's who she jumps in bed with. The the um the summary for the the episode summary says something about this leads to Kim jumping in jumping in bed and with a stranger and all that. I always wondered who that stranger was. Now I know it's sexy it was a tra- it was attractive yes. paper boy. So she shows up. Now there's a thing here like when you kind of see her How walking, did she find him well, though? Well, he's at the newsstand. So like if when when um they go to the uh the call when he's trying to pick her up, he's at his little, you know, corner newsstand that's on the, you know, street corners in New York. So she just goes back to his his newsstand. Um, and look, I've been to those newsstands in New York. There's nobody works at those under the age of 50. So I don't know what this kid's done in his life to get a job there. Um, but so he, um, yeah, when, when she walks towards him, it looks like she's smoking. It looks like she flicks like a cigarette away. So random Kim smoke scene. Um, a lot of paramedics do. Well, I just, I love the way just like she handles this scene. Cause this is, this is a thing. I'm not a woman. Clearly you're not a woman. Clearly. Uh, but this is where women ultimately always have power over men because she just saunters up looking absolutely incredible and it's just straight away just like, you know, oh, what time do you get off? Oh, can you finish any sooner? Walks straight up to a box of condoms and holds it and looks at it. She doesn't need to say anything. He knows what she wants. And this is where women will always have that power that if you have someone that damn good looking who's going to do that, that, yeah, you you gonna like they win, uh, <laughs> but like this is this leads yeah. in now. I I've often like I don't have a lot of memories in my life of people talking to me about third watch the next day. There are only two times in my life that are outside of my mother that I can remember talking about third watch. The first uh, is this scene, which I'll get to in a second. The other is when we eventually get to what happens to Lieutenant Johnson and kind of the next day after that. Like one of my teachers was like, "Oh, did anyone watch third watch last night?" I'm like, "Me, me, me." It's my favourite show! Whereas this scene, I remember the next day at school, and I would have been like, what, 14 when this would have aired, 13, 14. I remember my friend at the time saying like, oh, did you watch what happened last night on Third Watch? God, that was graphic. Because this scene, by network standards, is actually pretty darn graphic. Like, we see kind of, we cut to a bedroom. American network standards, anyway. Well, we cut to a bedroom... Uh, we get kind of some sexy song playing. We see, like, you kind of don't know what you're looking at straight away, but then you kind of realise you are seeing sexy paperboy on top of Kim from behind falling off her 
Uh, they're both buck naked. You've got, you know, kind of convenient blurring going on. But it's just, it's actually a full-on scene here. This is, I think, probably the most graphic sex scene we will get in Third Watch, even if you classify it as a sex scene. Um, but yeah, I just remember my friend the next day going, whoa, did you see what that last night? We got to see a bit of Kim. Um, so, you know, remove the blurs and you get an incredibly naked Kim and sexy paper boy. So, yeah, <laughs> just wanted to point that out. <laughs> yeah. Kim gets yep. a bit interesting. This is well, how many episodes ago was it when Kim was talking about who she slept with? She's like, "Oh, I've only slept with like four people. Oh, there was a hockey guy, and there was that guy, and that guy." You know, this is this is adding to that list now, Kim. <laughs> yeah, we're up to we're up to five now. Mm-hmm. Which you know, like in all fairness, like we joke and say Kim maybe gets a bit a certain way this episode, but you know, I'm not going to say it. I, I think it's a very unfair thing to, to label women as a certain word just because they sleep around. I think it, the same applies to men, hence why I called Bobby a slut before. Uh, I'm not going to call Kim the same in this scene because she's not having sex randomly on subways. So, um, and I think this is kind of the lead up point to this. This is, I kind of think where, again, I connect with Kim, not like the paper boy is, but you know, like you, you really do feel for, I think, again, We've all been in situations where we we get to a point where we be with someone for no other reason that we just need, a, you know, an hour. A stress of, relief. Yeah, an hour. I mean, an hour for women, five seconds for me, whatever. But, like, you know, it's done. And <laughs> I can't say I've ever picked up a paper boy yet, but uh, we'll see how that goes next time I'm in New York. Um, <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, anything to add on that at all, Tarbell? Oh, I was going to say, I look forward to hearing that story. Well, don't don't we all? Uh, I'm just saying, does this Paperboy have a name? Uh, if I look here on, um, uh, it doesn't look like he's no. I don't think they. I don't think they ever mentioned his name. He's not even credited here, uh, unless he's Justin. Maybe he's Justin. Does do we get a name? I mean, this Justin looks a bit young on this. Uh, we'll go to this no. page. No, it's not Justin. No, I don't, definitely... think, I don't think we get a name. Yeah, so I don't even think he's credited here on IMDb. Um, so. Uh, Anyway, uh, so we get uh, Kim back at her uh, mum's house now. She hasn't changed this time around. <laughs> She's uh, still the same one that was in this episode earlier. Um, we kind of get this nice little scene, though. I, I like this scene between Kim and her mum. We sort of obviously hear about, uh, you know, Melanie's called and her mum's sick of splitting Christmases. Um, and kind of, you know, Kim saying, look, I never wanted to leave here and be a single parent. Uh, and, and we kind of get, obviously, Kim... This is where I think it's great for Kim's character, and this kind of explains a lot about why she maybe is holding on to Jimmy and kind of why she feels a certain way. She obviously has always pictured her stepdad, Rod, as kind of this perfect guy. He was always there for her. He was always there when she needed him. But this is where kind of her mother shuts her down and is like, well, no, he wasn't. He only showed up because I made him. You know, he was uh, there just flirting with the mothers, you know, like, you've got this opinion and what, like, that great line by her mum, stop putting colour on things that are black and white. And that, like, that resonates to me so much. That line, like, oh, oh yes. my God, that hits yes. me, hits me in the feels. So, um, yes. and like, just the lines there, like, when Kim says, oh, I don't want Joey to listen up for the next five years to his mum auditioning husbands on the other side of these walls. And then just her mum, the way she's like, look, you know, I might not have found the next one, but I think we did okay raising you girls. Um, so just props here to, uh, and I've already lost a name here, uh, Catherine Zambrose. And, 
Yeah, uh, and Ant- Tw- Twony, Twony, uh, Twomy, sorry, and Twomy. Props to her, great acting. Um, so yeah, such a powerful scene. Um, so good. I don't know if you got anything else to add on this scene here. Not on that scene, but I do like. I believe, I believe that the scene following this one, I I do like that scene where um, Kim. I can only guess actually calls Melanie, invites her to the firehouse. Oh, we'll get to that. Yeah, and yeah. Then they, and then they all have dinner together. I love that scene. Well, that's coming out. And this is the thing that I'll say, because well, we get to this bit here, which is kind of like, the thing they do well with Kim is Kim's always a character that kind of has short-term tragedy in her life. She's not like a doc who kind of has long-term build-up to such a tragic life. She kind of, once it rains, it pours for Kim when shit happens to her. We saw that in the Valentine's Day episode when everybody was falling in love and you kind of, it's it's like, I love how she's written in that she brings it on herself, but you still feel sorry for her. Like, and that's like, you think about the Valentine's Day one. Kind of that was pretty much her fault in many aspects to why she was feeling that way, but you still feel bad for her. And even in this point here, you would argue it's her own fault for not letting it go. Again, I don't necessarily believe that personally, but from an outsider, that's the way you're looking at this. But even in this scene here, you still feel for her. So she shows up to the hospital. We kind of get a bit of a brief scene between her and Doc, followed by her trying to see Jimmy in therapy. Brooke sees her. Brooke goes off at her followed uh, by Dr. Montville going off at her, calling her, hey, Miss Chainsaw. Um, and then just like, oh, know, yeah, Brooke here. Like, we like Brooke. And even Brooke in this scene, though, the way she's just kind of like, oh, must run in the family, you know. I know about your sister, you know, and Jimmy told me everything, you know, told me that you guys had sex before, you know, we got shot. We'll deal with that. Like, you know, Jimmy clearly is turning a page here because he's being honest with everything. Um, and then just Brooke's line when she says, you could turn a very simple situation, you've made it difficult. Like, she handles it like, this is kind of like where you want Brooke to slap her, but like, as much as we love Kim, you kind of can't disagree with Brooke here. Like, because Brooke kind of has a very valid point about everything. And just what I think makes this scene so good is that Kim in no way fights back. She kind of just has this look on her face of defeat. She knows. This is kind of Kim really all of a sudden being like, shit. And this is kind of when we get the nice little resolution scene when she's looking at the baby, she's talking with Doc, she's saying, like, you know, I keep screwing up. She's she's realising everything here. And then, you know, Doc here, like, sometimes things are meant to be, and then, you know, Kim owns up here and says, like, look, I don't regret with this baby, you know, I know it was wrong, but I did it. And then kind of, you know, Doc with the, God, I wish this was just as simple as it is in TV shows when you've got the, you know, father figure character who says, best thing is just to let it go. And then we get a nice little montage followed up about how you can let things go so easily. If only life was that simple, Third Watch. Anyway, uh, but I, I mean, these, these scenes here, I just like, I mean, we'll keep going here to the end and you can talk about these as a collective one. This is where she shows up to the bar, says Mel, sees Melanie straight away is like, oh, Tony, get up tomorrow. I want to come over for dinner. She agrees. We then obviously get, uh, Kim back at Jimmy's kind of asked to see Jimmy for a second. Brooke is sort of like, I'll give you a moment, but she's like, no, I want to speak to both of you. Uh, I do like random Joey here. Daddy got Star Wars anniversary edition. I want to watch it. Joey, can I watch it with you? Um, but yeah, uh, this is kind of, you know, Kim's sort of resolution scene. Uh, you know, yes. we never worked out, but we got a great kid out of it. Here's the list. Um, great scene. And then, yeah, the last scene here, um, Kim's sister shows up and sort of, you know, Bobby Melanie? Like, you know, obviously we know Bobby knows it. 
And then that nice little uh, line when kind of Kim's like, oh, everyone, this is my sister, Melanie, Melanie, this is my family. Aww. Sweet. Yeah. Cheesy, and, but it's sweet. Then, <laughs> it, yep, and, they're, and then they're all, like I said, I... Like I said, I love that scene. They're, they they just sit they just sit down and they're they're eating together. Thank God Carlos wasn't cooking. And, he was cooking. Um, he was cooking. That's Carlos's night. That's why they say to uh, that's why they say to Melanie. They say, oh, "I hope your health insurance hasn't lapsed because that's Carlos's cooking night." <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. I forgot. Gosh, I know I should have watched that episode more than once. <laughs> um, but it's just a nice way to close. It's just, I don't know what else to say other than it's such a nice way to close that episode. It's it really, like, really was. Going back to my very first point from the start of this episode, that again, on the grand scheme of season two, this is just kind of like a lesser episode because it's, you know, you think of the highlights of this season, you never put Kim's Hope Chest as one of the top five episodes of season two. But this episode, just the way it deals with character development and what we learn about Kim, I mean, moving forward with Kim-centric episodes, they're in a completely different world with what happens from this point moving forward in the show. So this is kind of your only real episode you really get into the mind of Kim. And this is kind of where, like, an episode ago, I'm talking about Jimmy, who's necessarily never been my ultimate favourite character, I still bought the episode just because I I think it, you learn so much about him. And I think Kim, this just does it so well. And this is why Kim's character is such an interesting character. You know, she's not the most diverse and, you know, interesting character on this show. But even, I guess, the, the medium characters on this show, I'm not going to call her a lesser character, the middle ground characters are still so well ironed out with season two episodes. So, yeah, I, I just cannot talk down on this episode because... Even for a character who's never ultimately one of the uh, the favouritest characters of anybody on this show, so well done. And just props to Kim Raver for selling this episode. Like, so oh, yes. good. Like, Kim Raver, like, just round of applause. Such a good actress. So, um, yeah. I don't, if you've got, you got, you got nothing else out of this, Darvel, I think we can maybe move into our evil little review segment. Um, uh, nope. No further comment. <laughs> for the very, now, for the very first Evil time Evil. on the Oz Network, we bring you the Evil Review section where we either buy it, rent it, or bin it. Uh, Evil Review. After hours it, grace after hours it, it, or, grace dirty it or dirty kid it. Uh, I reckon I'm going to forget those three, but I'm never going to forget Evil Review. Uh, um, so <laughs> I'll remind you. What are you? Are you? Are you buying it, renting it, or binning it? Um. I'm. I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna grace it. You oh, you're gonna rent it. Okay. Me, yeah. Meaning, meaning rent it. Any any particular reasons? Why? Like, I guess you could say that in some ways. Like I said, I I connect with this episode because of um, some people in my personal life. Some people in my personal life who have difficulty letting letting go, letting go of things or letting go of certain people that they really should let go of. You would think that would be cause to actually after hours it, in, in other words, buy it. But I don't know. It's just, maybe it's my personal feelings getting in the way. It just annoys me so much to see people holding on to things that are just so, that are clearly so damaging to them and to those around them. Fair enough. And I understand that. Like, I mean, but, we, all, we all have episodes where we're going to feel that way. Yeah. I mean, I had that with, I mean, you know, Demolition Derby, where a lot of that was personal reasons in terms of just the religious aspects of that episode, whereas, you know, 
um, it's you know Brandy bought it, so yeah, you're gonna have different you know yep. different opinions, yeah. So okay, well, fair enough. I mean, I'm buying this. <laughs> it's you're after housing. I'm after housing it. Look, I mean. It's it's interesting, kind of hearing that viewpoint of from yourself. And again, I I, I in no way I'm going to disagree with everything you said because I mean that again, that's your personal opinion on it, and I can't change that. That that's fair enough. I mean, from my personal perspective, I can definitely, definitely, 100% associate with everything that Kim goes through this episode, and completely understand how um, from the outside it's it's a simple case of just let it go, move on. It's hurting you, but from the inside, it's really not that simple in my perspective. So, um, yeah, I uh, just everything I've already talked about this episode, just so good. And again, this is you'd argue maybe a low buy just in terms of the grand scheme of third watch, but this is just what this season does to me as as a fan of this show. This is what this season is to me about how great this season is. And look, I I do not know if I'm going to buy every single episode. I think there's a high chance I'll be buying every episode this season. And this to me could be the closest uh, that we'll ever get to a complete perfect buy it season from any of these shows we're covering. Uh, So yeah, I just, even on the grand scheme of things, I keep saying this is a lower episode of this season, but it's still so good. And just everything that Kim does. And I've always been probably a lot higher on Kim than a lot of other people have been in the world of third watch. So yeah, definitely buying it for me. Uh, that gives me seven in a row now. Um, you, by the way, broke the, uh, the, the trend, the, uh, six in a row trend of our, uh, guest. That's not me, including Brandy's run. Brandy had four in a row leading up to your two, uh, so the first rent that we've had from any of us since uh, episode twenty of season one, a thousand pounds of points of light. So, uh, good job, Darvell, breaking Brandy's streak. <laughs> even though you had two of them. As Sorry, well. Brandy. Um, but that leads us into episode six, our next one: the ties that bind. Clearly, as you can tell by that title, it's obviously the Carlos episode. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> <shit. laughs> it's our Davis episode. We get a Davis episode. Um, but yeah, again. Again, so positive about this season. What great things happen in this episode. So much we like, we learn about, um, a little bit more about Ty's family. Uh, and like, again, yep. we've got to, I think each episode we're going to be doing this about how well the individual actors handle it. Kobe Bell, like, I did not know he had this range. Knocks it out of the park. I did not know he had this range until I saw this episode. So good. And like, some would argue that the next episode you might think like it's just your cheap TV plot device of the hidden family gets revealed. But the way it's done, it's just so believable. It's not like, here's your long lost brother, you know, Davis. It's like it's it's done in a way that is just believable and so good. We get just some great, great scenes. Like even, you know, random skip starter scenes. He's kind of not in it as much as you think he would be in a Davis episode. So good. Maggie's back, Davis's mum. Um, you know, we get some appearances there and gotta say, and Barb, I feel so bad that when we had this argument on our, the Facebook group that I completely forgot about this because these scenes are just, oh, so good. Bosco and Davis teaming up. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, how did I forget? Because it's so damn good. Uh, the ties that bind, Darvel, you got anything to say before we get into it? Just stay tuned. Oh, absolutely. Stay tuned because you're going to love it. 
This season. I just want to keep talking about this season so much. But uh, like us on Facebook, subscribe. We're on uh, iTunes, of course. Uh, Spotify, Stitcher. We're on uh, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Uh, get involved. As always, please take some time to leave us a review. We'd appreciate that. Leave us an evil a review. There you go. Head to iTunes. Click on the evil a review section and you can leave us five stars and say, here is your evil a review. I love the show. That's what you can say. Uh, <laughs> evil review us we want to see the evil review uh, thank you for joining us we'll be back as I said for the Ties at Bind episode 6 of season 2 my name is Ben and pink bunnies everywhere Jimmy Carter picked them my name is Darvell and boobies now we're talking thank you for listening to the Oz Network don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week for more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.